Hi, hey, welcome to The Cordial Catholic, a podcast for new Catholics, non-Catholics, and those looking to dig deeper into the Catholic faith. I'm Kay Albert Little, and this is a podcast that's born out of one particular idea. It began for me when a Protestant pastor asked me the question, what's more important, the Bible or tradition? Well, that question led me onto a deep dive into the history of my Christian faith, the history of Christianity, my faith tradition, where the Bible came from, how those things fit together. And it was in that journey I encountered the ancient Catholic Church. It looms large in church history, and there it was. And it was then I began to read about the Catholic Church from actual Catholic sources that I realized what I thought I knew about Catholics and what they believed was based in large part on misinformation and more often than not on simple, stupid misunderstandings. Well, this podcast serves to fill in that same gap. The gap between what do you think Catholics believe and what we actually do. Each week I have a real Catholic conversation with a real Catholic thinker from the heart of the Catholic Church. No misinformation here. And this week I am joined by Catholic convert Morgan Blair to tell her fantastic and fascinating story of being drawn deeper into the Catholic faith. Morgan was raised as an evangelical, non-denominational evangelical Christian, had an experience of, of, of the fracturing kind of nature of, of the Christian faith at Baylor University, drifted towards progressive Christianity, the Episcopal Church, until she was drawn deeper into questions of the Catholic faith through the conversion experience of somebody that she respected and read online. It goes on and on from there, and it's a great conversation of how Mary, the saints, uh, and her friends in social media, these great Catholics who helped her draw her deeper into the Catholic faith. It's a fantastic story. I think you'll love it. She's a great storyteller and has a great story to tell, and I'm so happy to have her on the program. This conversation is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash cordialcatholic who underpin this show and our one-time sponsors at paypal.me slash cordialcatholic. And this week, I have a new one-time sponsor to thank. Thank you, Stephanie, for your support of the show. It goes along with helping this thing keep on going and growing, making it possible for me and our family to do this and support this each and every week. So thank you, Stephanie, for your support. If you want to support the show, those links are in the show notes. Please check them out there and see how you can support the show and some of the perks that go along with those who do support this program. And thank you, friends. And now, without any further ado, my wonderful conversation with Morgan Blair, her conversion story. It's a great one, friends. Please listen and enjoy. Hey friends, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks for watching. Thank you for listening. If you are listening on podcast, thank you. Please leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts if you could. That helps to push the podcast out to new listeners. And if you're watching us, uh, thanks. Hey, welcome. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our channel on YouTube and hit the, the bell and like this video and leave some comments. Interact is always fun and a little bit scary uh, out there on YouTube. So thank you for people who are taking part in, in that community there. Uh, even those who leave weird comments, I love you guys too. You're you're a lot of fun. My guest this week is Morgan Blair. Uh, Morgan grew up in non-denominational churches and schools, and it was there that she developed her love for the Lord and accepted Him to be her Savior. After high school, she went to she moved to Waco, Texas, and went to Baylor and Baylor Law. And that began kind of a journey into ancient churches, into looking deeper into her faith. And she describes herself as kind of uh, reluctantly, maybe kind of through a lot of, uh, what we say, I don't know, coaxing a lot of uh, the Holy Spirit leading you, convicting you to towards uh, deeper truth. She joined the Catholic Church in 2020. She is currently in Fort Worth. She's a criminal prosecutor and is starting Encounter School of Ministry in this fall. I want to hear more about that. That sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, Morgan, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here and hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. I am excited to be here. I have never not messed up a guest introduction, so I can't let that stop with you, Morgan. So <laughs> just fully... <laughs> 
mangled that introduction, but thanks for sticking around uh, anyway, despite that. Hey, I'm really happy to have you. There's all kinds of uh, cool connections and ways that I think your story uh, and, and my, I mean, and my story, stories of listeners to the show and mm-hmm. others who've been on this show intersect and connect. Uh, you, Haley Stewart, who's been on this show, host of the, the Fountain of Carrots podcast, uh, intertwines in, or enters into your story uh, in a way. We have all kinds of you and I uh, mutual friends and follows on Twitter. I see you all the time on there and people are like, oh, you know that person, you know this person. So there's all kinds of, I think, cool interactions uh, in your story. And uh, I'm excited to hear it. So I'm going to kind of get out of the way. We have lots to to dig into, so I don't want to hold you back. Uh, I'll let you kind of unwind your story wherever you want to begin and go from there. And, you know, we'll stop along the way and, and dig into things. If you run out of time, we have all kinds of things. You give me a whole awesome list here of things we can dig into <laughs> that you are passionate about that. Let, let's just go. <laughs> let's just do this thing. So, yeah. Why don't you begin at the beginning? Uh, non-denominational Christian to, to begin with? Yes. So it's always a fun question when people <laughs> ask about your conversion story because you never know really where to begin and how yeah. far back to go. Yeah. But I I did grow up, like you mentioned, in the evangelical world. When I was really little, I was actually baptized Lutheran, and which is kind of an interesting, another interesting element. <laughs> baptized Lutheran. And then when I went to middle school, we started to get involved in the non-denominational church world, Christian schools. And it was there where I started to really learn about the Lord and scripture. And I was in Christian schools from sixth grade through high school. And I had great experiences. I really did. I was able to learn a lot about myself and become, I think, really passionate about helping others, seeing others the way that God sees them. And so from that evangelical framework, I mean, that's really how I spent a lot of my you know, my time in my early years with the Lord, just serving other people, learning about him. And I was pretty involved. I was, I was very involved. And I say that because when I got to college, I was not so involved. (laughs) (laughs) And so, like you mentioned, I moved to Waco, Texas. I went to Baylor university and I had no idea how many different versions of Christianity there was especially in the Protestant realm. I went to Baptist Baylor and there was all kinds of different (laughs) thoughts and views and I just didn't expect it. So ended up still somewhat involved with, with the church, trying out different churches. There's tons of options in Waco, Texas (laughs) and some great, great churches. And I visited several of those, went to, a few of them pretty consistently. And I would say halfway through college is when I stopped really going to church regularly. And there really wasn't any one big event. It was kind of just a slow um, drop off. And I very much so still love the Lord, believed in Jesus. I just wasn't surrounding myself with the things that I had grown up with in middle school and high school. And so that kind of led me further away from the Lord, whether I realized it or not at the time. And I would have denied it at the time, absolutely. (laughs) But looking back, it was a gradual kind of walking away from from what I what I knew and that safety net and all the wonderful things that the Lord does for us when we are close with him. And so I stayed in that space for for quite a while. I graduated Baylor. I ended up going to Baylor Law School. And that was a journey because law school completely changes the way you think (laughs) and totally changed my view on a lot of things. And it was in those years that I started to really dive into progressive Christianity. Um, So I know with the evangelical world, there's going to be that far right. And then there's the far left. And I found myself going more and more towards the far left, which is funny that I ended up Catholic because (laughs) it's only been, um, I think, so I came into the church this year and 
I was definitely fully immersed in that progressive Christianity two years ago. Uh, yeah. So it's been a <laughs> quick change. <laughs> was, I, I'm wondering, like, there's more to dig into here, but I'm wondering, was a bit of that that drift, I mean, the, the, the multitude of different options there were for churches in Baylor? Like, you got there and you kind of realized, oh, wow, this is, there are a lot of ways of thinking of these things. Is that something that, because for me, I know my own journey, that was something that I see a lot of people in my orbit, uh, in the evangelical world, drifting towards maybe a less and less, I don't want to say Christ-centered Christian view, but a more progressive view that's more social justice leaning, more kind of, not not the, the traditional way of following Christ. I don't, I don't want to offend people, but is that... Does that make sense? Like, is that kind of the drift of your trajectory at all in that sense? Yes, absolutely. I, I don't think it, it automatically started with that, the social justice issues necessarily. I think the first step away would be when I realized that there's just different interpretations out there. I grew up, for example, if you just take like creation, the seven days of creation, that being very literal. And I went to um, Baylor and I had this, you know, a Baptist professor who is introducing other ways to view the creation story. And at this point, I haven't even (laughs) dove into the two creation stories in the different chapters. Um, But it gave me pause and it made me really consider if this was not shared, this difference was not shared with me or this variety of interpretations by Christians who love the Lord and want to serve him and are faithful. If that wasn't shared with me, I started questioning what else, what else wasn't shared. Yeah. And, and what doubts do I have? And what can I trust everything they taught me? And so it's a slippery slope. And that is what led me to I think, I think it led me to create the Christianity that I wanted to believe in and this idea of creating God in your image. And that's really what I was doing without realizing it. Right, right. Which, which makes sense that there are so many different options you see around you. It it, it seems like, well, I can kind of pick and choose which these options kind of make sense. If nobody has the corner on, on how to interpret this, well, I can kind Mm -hmm. of, yeah, figure out what I think makes the most sense. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense to me in that kind of that, that framework. So where did you go from there? Law school? And I, I guess you would, in that case, be exposed to all kinds of different ways of thinking of things, too. Thinking of the law, thinking of of legal matters, of, of rights issues, these kinds of things. There's got to be a lot of exposure, probably even at Baylor, to these kinds of ways of thinking about justice and social issues and things like marriage and sexuality and, say, abortion. I don't know. You can tell us more about if I'm on the right track. But I imagine that the exposure to those kind of things would, would lead you in the direction of, of thinking about those things in, in new ways, perhaps. Absolutely. Um, all of the things that you mentioned, separation of church and state, which right, is still yeah. something I'm, you know, working through. But learning all of the different opinions, not just from Christians, because at Baylor Law, I mean, there's a variety of people who go there. It's a wonderful law school. And so I was learning from people who weren't necessarily identifying themselves with any particular religion. And, you know, some of what they said made sense. And I couldn't ignore that. And so I became very invested. And it is the social issues that really got me, which is why I'm, I'm always willing to talk about it because I'm not the only one who has left Christianity. That is, you know, my age who um, left for the social issues and God really restored my whole view on all of that. But it was, I mean, it was thinking things through critically, thinking about the way that God was always explained to me, always taught to me, loving, inclusive, um, faithful, all of those attributes, how does that coincide with this list of things that we can't do, or these, this list of people who are doing it wrong, um, who aren't going to heaven. And that seems extreme, but I think that's the reality. I think that's the truth of where a lot of people are. That is how they are viewing it. And that's how I viewed it. And so 
I remember so many times looking through the Bible, trying to come up with the support I needed to reach the conclusion that I've already come to. And it's pretty, I don't want to say it's easy because I had to do a lot of (laughs) twisting to get there, but you can do it. Um, which is one of the biggest selling points for, for Catholicism. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. Uh, well said. So what happened next? You, you, you leave law school thinking of these, I mean, I guess in this more kind of progressive Christianity, uh, where does your journey kind of take you next? Where, where did you go after that? So still was very on board with that progressive narrative. I moved, I actually moved to Corpus Christi, Texas, which makes me laugh <laughs> <laughs> that I ended up Catholic. Um, yes. So I moved there. I did some civil work and was not involved with with church in any capacity still believed in Jesus but in no way was I practicing anything in my day-to-day and I ended up switching careers I wanted to go into prosecution I've always been interested in that and it kind of goes back to that heart for others that heart for victims that the Lord really built up in me in in middle school and high school. And so I was moving uh, to Fort Worth, Texas, and I thought, you know, maybe I I do want to get back into some church-type capacity, but I knew I had a lot of parameters. And so when I moved to Fort Worth, I looked at a few options. You know, here's the lawyer, lawyer and me, but laying out the different (laughs) paths that I was willing to entertain at the time. And I thought maybe I really should go all the way back to the non-denominational evangelical uh, world. Maybe I should just go back to where I came from. And so I looked at some churches that fit that description, but there was something in me that wanted to connect to tradition and beauty. And I also heard that the Episcopal church was a little bit more liberal (laughs) on certain things. So I thought, perfect. Let me look at, let me look at that. And I, when I was trying to find the exact locations and the exact churches, I literally sat down on my computer, it wasn't even on my phone, I sat down on my computer and typed in um, like progressive women priests, women pastors, LGBTQIA plus affirming all of the things um, and tried out some online services because we were in the middle of COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was in that space for about six months. And it was through that time I really started to appreciate that that tradition that the Episcopal Church and the Anglicans have. And I really didn't think about Catholicism until uh, about a year and a half ago. I, I had met Haley previously and we had lived in Waco at, at the same time. And I had met her before. I knew she was Catholic uh, she was friends with Tish Oxenrider and I'd followed Tish for a very long time. Love the work that she puts out. She was actually a very safe place for me to experience a lot of religious affiliated principles without it being forced upon me. <laughs> and she talks about everything. Nothing is off limits. And so for me, it was a, it was a nice transition into being ready to dive back into religion. So Haley had posted about Tish converting and it was in a, just in a split second, my entire body was convicted by the Holy spirit (laughs) to learn about the Catholic church. (laughs) And no part of me wanted that. (laughs) I, and I, I laugh because the conviction was very clear. It was to learn about the Catholic Church. And God knows me, and he <laughs> knows that it takes time for me to warm up to things. And so that is what conviction he gave me, simply to learn about the church. 
And I thought, okay, I have a very strong reaction against this. I do not want to do it, but I love learning things. So of course I will, I will learn all the things (laughs) about the church. (laughs) And I knew deep down that if I gave into this and if I was obedient to what the Holy Spirit was asking me to do, that I would probably become Catholic. And this is before I had any idea what Catholicism really was about. (laughs) So it was that kind of split second, like you, somebody that you recognize, that you know, that you respect, that you've read becomes Catholic and that, that, that was enough just to kind of stop you in your tracks and go, wait a second, I need to, okay, this is something I have to, I mean, that, that's, that's really interesting. (laughs) Totally random, but you know, that's, God can work in whatever way he wants and that's, that's how, you know, he, he reached me. So yeah, it was very random. I would have never expected seeing someone who had never met convert to Catholicism would matter much to me, (laughs) but that's the coolest thing about sharing testimony. You never know how it's going to translate or where someone is at and how it could reach them. Yeah. That's amazing. And you already were kind of primed for this idea of the traditional kind of uh, a service, a more traditional kind of Christian expression being something that was important to you. And here's, you know, here's God going, okay, well, go a little bit further. Go a bit further, Morgan. Like, little bit, here, look, look over here. I think that's, I think that's amazing. That's amazing. So you began a, a lawyer-like deep dive into, the, into everything, into all things Catholic. How did, how did that begin to go for you? Goodness, I don't even remember all of it, but I, <laughs> it consumed me. It was all I wanted to do. It was all I really thought about. Obviously, I was still working and was really busy at work, but I just wanted to know all the things. So found books, found... I didn't know any Catholics either. Yeah, yeah. And I'm trying to think if I've forgotten about a Catholic I know. <laughs> now that I said that, but... Sorry. I Yeah. I did not have any close relationships with Catholics. I, I knew Haley, so occasionally I would, I would ask her some questions. But I made Catholic friends on social media. I just gathered up a bunch of friends and asked questions because I thought, what do I have to lose? If they don't want to talk to me or they don't want to respond, <laughs> that's okay. Um, but most most everyone responded and had always really good answers <laughs> to everything. <laughs> Any struggles that I, that I had or hangups that I had, they would talk me through those. Rachel Bullman is another another person who answered so many questions of mine and everyone was so patient. And I think it's because they were so excited because who at my age, you know, in their late 20s, single who's not marrying a Catholic wants to just join the church. But it was through those relationships over social media and through just a lot of personal research of my own that I started to become more comfortable with the intellectual side because it started to make a lot of sense to me and the theology, all of it added up. And the biggest selling point is just this idea of not being your own Pope, right? I was tired of trying to find the solutions and the answers to things I wanted things to be a certain way because I cared about people. I wanted this God that I love so much to include everyone. And there was goodness there. Obviously I wasn't, I was not embracing the actual truth, but there was goodness in that desire of mine. So intellectually, theologically, it started to make sense, but my heart was just not there until I started praying the rosary. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I had made some, I'd made some friends, uh, many Hail Marys, the account. um, I had just messaged the account randomly and I don't even remember what I asked or what I said, but I had a bunch of questions and Caroline responded and answered all of my crazy questions. And then she would ask um, Jill and Kristen, who are also who pray regularly with many home Marys, and they would compile answers for me and ask for very 
or tell me to ask for very specific things and pray for things for me that were exactly what I needed. And so I started to memorize the rosary and then I listened to it and finally started praying. And it's just supernatural things started happening. My, my heart just changed. And I started to picture myself as Catholic and thought, yes, this is, this is what I want, even though I'm kind of scared still and don't want to say it out loud. What were you doing with all the kind of progressive Christian views you were beginning to adopt? It's quite a, it's not very often do, do Episcopal converts, I know you were Episcopalian all, all the way, but not, not very often do people who are in kind of the very progressive side of that church become Catholic. Normally the people who are already in kind of the, the, the high church, but the not socially kind of progressive part of the Anglican church, those are the people becoming Catholic. But you, you are pretty far on the progressive side, it sounds like. So what were you doing with those kinds of views as you read from Catholic theology? How were you reconciling what you held with what you were reading in, 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 in the Catholic church and the catechism and, and these books and stuff? That was a, that is what kept me from committing to becoming Catholic. That is what I was holding out on the most. I didn't have a lot of good answers to address those, the opposition that was there. It was truly me continuing to learn and continuing to let what I now realize is the Holy Spirit just journey with me because I still had major issues with those social teachings. I, I started RCIA in August of last year and those social teachings were still things that I was I was holding on to and what I love about the Catholic Church is that it provides a very holistic view of everything and while there might be rules there's really good explanations as to why there are certain teachings and why we are asked to to follow them so I did appreciate that, that there was at least a reason. And for me, and some of the time I spent in the evangelical world, there wasn't necessarily a consistent reasoning applied yeah, yeah. to all of these dish- different issues. Yeah. And so I would see people holding other people to different standards. So maybe on one issue, we would say, okay, we're going to look past that, even though it's probably not right. But with LGBTQ people, you know, that is just, that's just wrong and it's sinful. And we're just going to take a hard stance on that, but kind of let some other things slide. And so that inconsistency really pointed back to a lack of understanding of, of why do we even believe these things? Why is this the truth? And the Catholic church provided those answers. Yeah, I, I think you've said that very well, and that that for me resonates deeply, right? You you because I, I held this to it, and and one of my the the last church my wife and I were a part of wrestled with this issue of of what marriage was and these kinds of things as they worked out their own our own our own belief structure, and we were you're holding you're holding these kind of views that are hard to reconcile sometimes, hard to to be consistent with. And you realize you're you're holding them, and, and others in the Christian worldview, other denominations just down the street from you, are holding wildly different versions of these of these beliefs that often are competing or are contrary. And you know, like you, I I encountered the Catholic faith. You might not like the answers the Catholic faith gives, right? I think I think it was Jimmy Aiken from Catholic Answers said this one time on the show. Right? You you might not like what the answers are, but the answers are there, and they're good, robust answers, uh, whether you like them or not, and they're they're consistent. They come from all the same place. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Saint John Paul II's theology of the body. Right, the, the the same reason that grounds all male priesthood is the same reason why mar- man and woman are are married and, and can't be split apart, and it it, it it all comes from the same place. All these these Catholic teachings are rooted in the exact same kind of core, and it's it's deep. <laughs> it's very very deep, and 
and satisfying versus these kind of competing views that are, are hard to reconcile and hard to understand where they come from sometimes in the, in the non-denominational world, right? Yes, that's that's exactly it. And theology of the body, <clears throat> I still haven't made my way through the actual theology of the body. <laughs> but that, I mean, you said it so well, it's all connected. And whether it's the issue of marriage or women priests, or abortion, any of those issues, it is all connected back to who we are as human beings, how the Lord created us, our dignity and our worth and the purpose that we have in relation to one another and in relation to him. And so I was able to, and it's it's through the grace of God that I was able to make these connections. It, it's not... It wasn't the analytical step-by-step that I was able to take on some of the other issues of theology. It was a major heart change in me to be able to see just how beautiful that is, that we were created in this way. And when we live in the way that, that follows church teachings, we're living to our fullest and in the most beautiful way. And of course, I mean, if we believe that the Catholic church is the fullness of truth, we should expect that. And being newly Catholic, it's still something that I'm so impressed by. And hopefully I always will be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It hasn't worn off yet for, 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 <laughs> for, for, for us over here. So yeah, I think it's that's amazing. Okay, you're you're praying the rosary. I think that, for one thing, is remarkable. I mean, the rosary is one of those things that often is a stumbling block for people coming into the Catholic faith, but you began to adopt this. I, I love, too, that you're asking questions of people on social media. My wife recently, we met an, an, a nice new couple in the town we're living in now, and kind of we're, we're unwinding our story. And my wife was kind of telling my story because I became Catholic a year ahead of her. And my journey largely was an online journey, and I didn't have a lot of people to ask questions to. There were, I mean, social media existed back then. I'm not that old. It did exist back then, but it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't quite as easy to find people as it is now. I was mostly binging on YouTube videos of the journey home and, and RCA videos that were, that were recorded out of, out of Michigan, a parish in Michigan that recorded all of their RCA talks. I was binging those things on YouTube, which also was kind of new at the time, and <laughs> I didn't have a lot of people to connect with. And this friend of ours uh, said, well, well, who are his friends? He's coming Catholic. Who is he talking to with these questions? And my wife kind of said, well, no one really. He was just watching, watching videos. Jesus. So it's, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. So it's cool that you had people you could journey with who, who, who you know, because I also knew no Catholics around me and, and we knew no Catholics as a couple around us. But it's cool that you could find people to ask those questions of. And it's, and it's crazy that, for you, the rosary began to be be a way in, help you to picture yourself as being Catholic, because that is often one of the things that really is a stumbling block, kind of the last thing that you reluctantly pick up as a Catholic. Okay, well, I must, I guess, I should try that. I should try the whole Mary thing, I guess, now because Catholics do this. But it's it's cool that 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 drew you in, and that that was that the thing that kind of tipped you over into beginning RCIA, the, the beginning to pray the rosary. I I think so. I. I never had any issue with Mary or the saints. I probably spent a very brief time just trying to make sure we weren't actually praying to people, to dead people, you know, <laughs> treating them like gods. I probably had a very brief moment where I did some Googling to make sure um, that that was all okay. But I mean, Mary came and got me. It, it, she walked with me through the journey and, and carried me into the Catholic church. And it really, I mean, it's just not my doing. I, I was open to it. And through just slowly listening, saying, then praying the rosary, I felt a lot of peace. I felt a lot of joy, just a lot of euphoria during, during the, the various decades and mysteries which again is, is not of my own natural self. It was the supernatural revealing itself before I even realized what any of that meant or was. And so it was, it was through her intercession and her just walking with me through it that I, I really think I began to, began to trust the whole process more. 
And as I began to trust more, I was more open. And that's when my heart started to change towards some of the other issues. And I was able to see the truth. It had been veiled for, for so long, but as I opened up, I was ready to see, to see that for what it, for what it really is. (laughs) I think that's awesome because one of the things that, that we say as Catholics is that, you know, Mary reveals Jesus or Mary points towards Jesus. In this case, you know, it really feels like to me that Mary kind of ushered you in slowly, gently into the fullness of, of the truth in the Catholic, in the Catholic faith, right? It wasn't that, that, that huge hit over the head, uh, you had that moment of shock when, when Tish became Catholic and he went, oh my goodness, I, sh- I need to look into this. And then a very gradual kind of slow, like, I love that kind of gently, gently guiding you in. I think that's a really cool, a really cool picture. I love that. Yes. Again, gentle. Yeah. <laughs> I needed to work my way in. Yeah. So yeah, I, I was in RCIA for probably until about October. I joined many home Marys and prayed a live rosary before I even, I think, was telling other people I was going to be Catholic. And by the time Thanksgiving came around, I knew that I would, I would become Catholic and everyone knew that's, that's where I was headed. And so it was this kind of final, final months of just getting ready to come into the church. Did you have people around you who were wondering what the heck you were doing? Were they like, were they, or, 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 or was that not like a thing that was, was widely talked about? I mean, what, what was, what was it like for you in that, in that situation? Yes, there, for the most part, everyone has been very supportive. They might not understand it, but they were very interested, intrigued, and pretty supportive. I, my family, my parents were very supportive. They asked a lot of questions because Catholicism is something that they're not familiar with, but were always supportive of, of my journey and came to confirmation. So it was a great experience when it comes to family. And I know it's not that way for, for everyone. And for friends, I mean, yeah, I had people asking what's going on and it, it's a it's a weird place to be in because for a lot of my friends I was very progressive and they see that I am now in the Catholic worlds where it is not so progressive <laughs> and they you know I had some questions about well did you like have to change some of your views Yes. <laughs> yes on that. But I think there's some people who maybe didn't necessarily understand that for me on the journey to becoming Catholic, I wasn't going to do it halfway. If I was going to be Catholic, I was signing up for all of it. And we say that when we're when we're confirmed that we believe, you know, the teachings of the church. And I was not going to say that unless I truly believed that. And so at some point I, I did have to hand over a lot to God and, and, and say, I don't understand all of this, but I trust that you've got it. And I'm going to believe what I'm, what I'm told to believe because I believe in the church because I trust you. And I have faith that you're going to, that you're going to show up and that this is the truth. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That That is, I think, the craziest thing that we do as converts, right? And I had the same experience as you. And again, somebody recently asked a question like, well, how do you how do you make that insane paradigm shift? And it's the same answer, right? If if you come to this this understanding, this acceptance that the church is what it says that it is, that, that it's founded by Christ and the apostles, the sacraments are, are, do what they say they do. If you believe, if you begin to believe that there is a there is an element where you have to just say, okay, I trust this then, right? Because it's not the, it's kind of the the opposite experience of that evangelical figuring out kind of what you believe and then joining a church that aligns with your version of of the Bible or how you interpret, right? Or finding that progressive Episcopalian church because you believe these progressive views. It's it's kind of the opposite, right? Going, okay, I recognize the church is here. Now I have to submit to it, whatever it teaches. I have to trust that that's the right thing. And then I have to kind of conform my beliefs to that versus me finding a church that already fits what I, I believe, right? That's really different, right? It is. And you said, you said the key word there, submit. Yeah. And it's submitting to 
the church. It's, it's submitting to the Lord and what he's provided us here on earth, which is the church. Yeah, that's well, that's well said. Well said of you saying my, my well saidness. I like that. Thank you. I did, yeah. So tell me a bit about, you, you have this, this awesome picture pinned on your Twitter account uh, that just says home and looks like a guy, looks like a bishop, probably in your confirmation. I think Haley's there with her hand on your shoulder. What is that moment like? Because that seems crazy. That, that seems so far from this experience of reading somebody's conversion to Catholicism and going, whoa, I need to, like, I feel convicted to, to research that, to suddenly, you know, zoom forward at, at this kind of a scene. Like, that, that's really interesting. What was that moment like? for you in that experience and how did, how did that come about? It, I mean, it was beautiful. It was <laughs> so exciting to finally find a place to rest. And, you know, that beauty and the tradition was something that I was being called to before Catholicism ever entered my mind, but to see just the beauty that is displayed, particularly at that at that time, right? At Easter and for everyone who's coming into coming into the church, Easter vigil, it's it's beautiful. And I and I actually remember a year before I was standing in my bedroom and looking at the at a TV watching an Easter vigil service, just captivated at the beauty of that. And I had no idea what was going on. I had barely started learning about the Catholic faith, but that one year difference, so much changed and it moved so quickly and it's still moving pretty quickly, but it was just a beautiful celebration of everything that was waiting for me that I, that I didn't even know. And I had family there. I had friends who were super supportive and Haley was able to come. She was like the first Catholic person that I actually, (laughs) (laughs) I actually met. And it was, it was great. She was able to come and be my sponsor and just having that support and, and truly seeing this, this idea of the communion of saints play out over this, this monumental step in my life was, was really really cool. And it's cool that you had so many uh, living saints, people in this community who were supporting you along the way, right? I mean that that's that's really cool as well. Not only the the the, the saints in heaven, but so many people that you reached out to that supported you along the way in social media to answer your questions and journey with you. I think that's really cool uh, that that process uh, unfolding. So since then, you have dug into the charismatic stuff. Right, the 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 encounter, the, the this this encounter school, uh, uh, this is this is cool stuff, and this is stuff that, for me, you know, I I come from uh, a slightly charismatic background in the Pentecostal church, uh, various times of my life, uh, more more involved and less involved, but there are times in my life when that this was a major thing for me, and I had friends that were deeply involved in this. Uh, that's kind of my, you know, uh, yeah, those are my people. So when I, I hear about a, a Catholic involved in charismatic stuff, that, that, okay, what? What's, that, that's a thing. And I know it's a thing because I dug deep in this one time and I, and I began to discover how many prominent Catholic theologians and people that I respect so much are secretly super charismatic Catholics. And you realize there's a little secret underworld of Catholics doing some really cool stuff. So what have you have you done since or, or with groups like this? Tell us a bit, bit more because this is a, an area that I want to I want to explore more. Me and we have we have time, Morgan. <laughs> sure, sure. Let's let's go there. Um, sure, I will just share everything I've experienced there. Did this are, begin? I think- did this begin after your conversion, or is this something mm-hmm. you you encountered? during your conversion process, these, these groups, I should ask that. Okay. That's a good question. So I did not encounter any actual group that was Catholic (laughs) and charismatic until, um, I think I'd heard about some while I was converting, but I didn't really piece it together until I had converted these secret groups. Yeah. yeah. They're absolutely (laughs) secret. Um, so we're just going to talk about it now, but I had experienced and, and I grew up in the evangelical world too. So, so not all of this is brand new to me, 
I grew up with praise and worship and, and all of those in a deep connection to and relationship with the Holy Spirit. I had a lot of experiences evangelizing and going on mission trips. So that portion of it, I, I knew I did not know that was part of the Catholic, <laughs> the Catholic <laughs> journey, but I started to have a lot of personal experiences and encounters with the Holy Spirit. And that is what opened up my mind to what it looks like to be Catholic in the, the fullest sense. Some of those experiences, I mean, it goes back to the rosary that, that euphoric state and the peace that I felt and joy that was indescribable, that really was an introduction to me in that supernatural, those, those physical manifestations of, of the Holy Spirit. And it was subtle because, right, I need, I need time to, <laughs> to understand what's going on and accept it and get on board. But it was shortly after my conversion, I got, I ordered a miraculous medal didn't know a whole lot about it, but I wore it. And I think I wore it to bed one night um, and just started experiencing. And I don't know how to describe it, just otherworldly thoughts and feelings in prayer. Um, just feeling like I was being physically pulled closer to, and I was laying down. I was not levitating, but that <laughs> physical feel of being pulled closer to the Lord. Um and just praying, like praying out loud and having um, just words just flow out without logically, you know, my lawyer brain, logically thinking through everything I was going to say. And so there was moments like that. And I mean, there's there's so many of them that I, I can't remember them all at this at, at this time. But there were so many things that were happening that that made me think, what's going on here? <laughs> I think it's from the Lord. <laughs> Lord, if it's not from you, please let me know that too. <laughs> and around that time, I had met some friends and I had a friend who was learning herself about the, I mean, just the charisms that are all throughout the Bible and all throughout scripture. And so at some point I was at um, adoration where we had some praise music and I just started to ask the Lord for whatever gifts or charisms he wanted me to have. And I don't know why I can't tell you why I did that, but I was open to any of them. And I mean, I asked for the gift to pray in tongues and stuff that I would have never, never, <laughs> ever considered. <laughs> and the Lord just kept giving me more and more. And it's been a wild ride, but I've been, the more open I've been, the more that I've learned, the more that I've received and the closer I have become to him. And yeah, it's just been a journey. And this is a thing. This is a thing in the Catholic world. Cause this for me was, yeah, this existed in, in the evangelical world. It was sometimes, um, I don't know, not overboard is the wrong word, but because of the evangelical, the Bible alone kind of underpinning of that framework, it became the most important thing in in those churches. If you weren't mm. doing those things, things were wrong with your faith. And there was a lot of negative spiritual kind of abuse attached to some of these ideas sometimes in their extreme forms. There there are great there are great Christians who are who are of course Pentecostal charismatic Christians. I'm just meaning that it, I saw also abuses in those things because of the way, uh, you know, the underpinning of, of, of Bible and Christianity. You can, you can make things way more or less than they ought to when your theology kind of is, is a pick and choose kind of based on your interpretation of, of the Bible. So, yeah, I knew that in that world. Um, in the Catholic world, this is a thing, though. There are groups that are there, – there are, are organized around charismatic gifts. That's also a thing in the, not just you in the, in the Catholic world, right? It is. And I was very sensitive to kind of diving into this, the stuff that we label as charismatic and, and it really is just Christian, but the stuff that we label as charismatic, I was very hesitant because I have also seen that play out 
in some Protestant circles where it is closely tied to emotional manipulation. But man, when you have the solid foundation of the Catholic Church, it fits so perfectly because you have that order, you have that foundation and you have the sacraments, right? I mean, the Eucharist, that's the summit of everything. And so you have that and that is in its rightful place. And because of all of that, because of who God created us to be, we get to live out this expression of our faith in all the ways that the Lord has for us, whether it's in our natural selves and our humanness, which he created as good, whether it's in the supernatural, the power that we get to have because of who we are as his children, it is a limitless faith. And so Again, this has all happened so fast, but on this side of it as being Catholic now, although very new, I can't help but think about all the Catholics who are living in this limited faith when there is so much more out there to to experience. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I had Father Joshua Caswell on the show once who, I can't remember his title now, and he'd be really angry to hear me not, not going to get it right. No, he wouldn't be angry. He's, <laughs> he's Canadian. He, can't, he doesn't get angry. But he's in Chicago with the, with the Canons Regular of St. John Cantius. Um, I, I, I'm getting the, the, it, the name wrong a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Father. But he grew up Pentecostal and, and charismatic up in Canada. And he always, and one thing he said that, that blew me away was the idea that for, for him as a priest performing, not performing, but um, celebrating the Mass, for him as a priest, like the, the Eucharist was the most charismatic thing he ever could do because all the, all the charismatic things we used to say and do as, as Pentecostals, the Eucharist is that fulfillment of those things, of Christ amongst us and then within us, like quite literally, all those longings we had as charismatic Christians they're fulfilled here in the Eucharist. So I think that's pretty amazing that you, you talk about that right order of things. You can have these charismatic gifts and experiences and, and worship and prayer and the manifestation of these gifts with the Eucharist in its right place, though, as the most important thing, as the most charismatic thing in the room, right? Because it's Christ, it's Christ amongst us. Like, God, who would have longed for as as Pentecostal Christians? All the songs we sang were like, "I want more of you, Jesus. I want to know you more." Well, hey, he's he's Here right there, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, what a fulfillment of that experience! I mean, that's like Pentecostal Christianity on steroids to have Christ actually then there among you, right? That's that's mm-hmm. amazing. That's amazing. Yes, it, I mean, I, I still can't believe that we get to live this out that we get all of this we don't have to pick and choose it's designed to all exist for us and for us to live in all of it yeah I, that's uh, that's amazing so you're you're involved in get or getting involved in this encounter school of ministry tell me tell us me it's more that listeners <laughs> just tell me forget everybody else i, I want to <laughs> know more i don't even care anymore about the listeners this <laughs> is too interesting for me tell tell us more <laughs> about this encounter school of ministry and what what this is all about because this sounds really interesting i'm not sure this is i mean i hadn't heard it before until you mentioned it to me on twitter tell us tell us more sure sure so i encounter does various things they have a conference but they also have a school and I just signed up for it because why not? Everything else is changing for me in the last year. But I signed up to do the online school. They have campuses and they have uh, satellite campuses, but there is a two-year program and you meet weekly. And just the idea of it generally is how do we live in the identity as children, as sons and daughters, of Jesus Christ and what that looks like in the supernatural. How do we live in that identity? And so they, they teach us and equip us and activate us to, to experience those things and then to go out and just glorify the Lord in wherever life stage or whatever life stage or whatever place that, that we're at, but just to live fully, fully for Christ. Yeah. I think that, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I want to. We're, we're heading towards wrapping up, but there's lots. There's lots we can talk about. I, I wonder what what you would say maybe to somebody who is looking into the, the Catholic faith. Uh, 
I mean, your, your, your hurdles, I think I love how Mary kind of took the hurdles down for you and kind of eased, eased you in. Were there hurdles in terms of, of I don't know, experience of the sacraments, experience of, of confession, experience of, of you know, the, the, the Catholic kind of way of, 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 of doing the sacraments, of living out these, these tangible things? Were there barriers for you coming from maybe an evangelical tradition that didn't see these things as, as necessary things to do, like things like confession or, or the centrality of the Eucharist at every single Mass? Like, was there... Was there a point where that was that was there was friction there for you, or or a challenge you encountered in, in your conversion? Yes. So, Eucharist, I never never struggled with with accepting that. I don't think I realized the power <laughs> that it held and how important it was. So it was too late, and it, right? And then I realized, wow, this is the only place I can get this. Of course, I have to be Catholic now. But I did struggle mainly with authority. I struggled with submission and this idea of authority and confession definitely was one of those, you know, it was closely related to my problem with authority. (laughs) And (laughs) for me, I just had a really hard time to, I had a hard time accepting that I had to submit to anyone's authority. Now I was willing to submit to God's authority I struggled with that as well, but it was easier for me to submit to that than to submit to human authority. And again, coming from kind of that progressive leaning, I was like, I have to submit to a bunch of men who are saying all these things. And yet all of this horrible stuff is also happening. I, I just don't buy it. And I don't like, why, why would I want to, to submit to that? And so I think I started to clear up some misconceptions I had about, you know, people who are in positions of authority, whether it's the Pope or or bishops or priests and understanding that they are completely human and that they will fail. And so that was a misconception that, that helped me to understand that they are still part of this structure and this organization here on earth that we have, and even if they fail, the purpose still is there and the fulfillment of the sacrament, no matter, you know, what priest is, is, is celebrating the mass. It's, it's still the sacrament and the Lord is, is faithful no matter what human is, is involved, that he is going to use that and, and give us what we need. So I was able to come around to the idea. (laughs) Confession, I I didn't really, I didn't understand why it was necessary. And that's probably one of the the sacraments that I haven't even fully understood. And I'm starting to really see the beauty in, in confession and understanding sin more than I ever have and really celebrating when sin is revealed because we're able to then go address it in confession. And I mean, even address it within, within our own communities. I know that's a misconception a lot of Protestants have about Catholics, not, um, you know, asking the Lord directly for forgiveness or not asking, you know, a friend or a brother or sister for, um, you know, to confess or ask them for forgiveness And so it's all of these pieces together, all of that plus confession, where we're able to bring that to the Lord, recognize that it's something that is keeping us from being close to him and asking him for that grace to get rid of it. And it's a continual thing that you have to keep going back for. And ultimately, it's to bring you closer to him. And so that is that was a struggle for me. And it's still something that I'm learning about. But I mean, Nothing that should keep anyone from from diving in. Yeah, yeah. I love that you mentioned kind of the idea of the community. And I love how in every single Mass there's a penitential rite where we literally mm. are asking each other, like I'm asking everybody around me and the angels and saints and Mary to pray for us that we be forgiven of, of these sins. That's such a cool 
totally missing from my experience of evangelical Christianity is this communal nature of our sins. We're all together being like, yeah, you know what? We have all sinned this week. Let, let's ask each other to pray for everybody here in this room. And then we ask, then we ask Jesus directly to forgive us. You know, Lord have mercy. Right? I think that's an amazing, that, that's a big, I think, underlooked difference. And, and I have come to notice this more and more. You know, I wasn't for me right away, lightning bolt. I've, I've more and more come to appreciate the, that the, the church recognizes the communal nature of sin and how it's, it affects each other and all of us in, in the body of Christ when one of us is in a state of sin. So we want to pray for each other all the time. I think that's really cool. That's a, that's a, that's a cool factor, I think, that I certainly have underappreciated uh, until even more recent years as, as a convert. It is. It's, and it's a lot of people who aren't Catholic might associate Catholics with Catholic guilt or, um, to always be talking about sin or to, to give sin more attention than it, than it deserves. But there is a very beautiful balance within the church that addresses sin because it needs to be addressed. And we're not going to pretend that it doesn't exist, but there's a place for it. And there's a sacrament to deal with that as well. And so we're able to, when we move past that, we're able to embrace freedom and we're not bound by those, even the little areas that keep us um, from, from the Lord. And that, like you said, you know, sin wounds us, it wounds others around us. And so it, it allows us to walk in, in freedom. Yeah, that, that's so well said. There's an outlet for that. I love that. Like there's, there's a sacrament for that, right? Yes. Okay. You feel, you feel guilty. There's probably a, you know, there, there, there's a, there's an issue of Catholic guilt. Yeah, of course, that, that is unhealthy at times and is, is a trope sometimes this idea of, you know, Catholic guilt. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, there's a, a not good side to that, but there's a, there's a purpose for, for, for sin and for your conscience and for guilt. And there's a sacrament, there's an outlet for that, right? So you can go and you can, you can be forgiven. That's amazing, right? That those things are connected. I think that's a really good, that's a really good point. That's awesome. Any any parting words for somebody who's listening to the show who is a super progressive Episcopalian like you were, <laughs> who somehow becomes Catholic? Like, I don't know. What, what, do you have any final, anything else you want to say to the listener who, who might be listening that's thinking about becoming Catholic that that has hidden a cat somewhere in, in the house that's trying to, to get out and they have seconds left before it busts onto the signal. I know, he's getting louder and louder. I hadn't heard him until just now. So, yeah, so. he's over it. He's like, come on, okay. This is, this is, this is it. <laughs> um, yes. So I think the best advice that I can give is to just be obedient. When you yeah, yeah. hear or feel or know that you are being asked to do something, even when it doesn't make sense to you, even when you don't want to do it, tell the Lord that, right? Say, I don't get it. I don't want to do this, but I'm going to follow what you're asking me to do. And it doesn't have to feel right, but God will, will reward you for that. And he, he loves when you do that and you can't go wrong by obeying him. <laughs> that's that's very well said. And I think your story is indicative of the fact that God will will enable you to obey him, right? I mean, he he asks he asks a lot of us sometimes, but he gives us the capacity to to obey him. I'm, you know, my wife and I on this crazy journey of moving our house and getting a new job and all these kind of crazy things and step by step it seemed crazy, but step by, we just this last like yesterday literally the last piece of the puzzle kind of fell into place with 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 a full-time job for for me and for our family. But all along it's been like just you know enough grace to get through to the, that that next step, and your and conversion is the same is the same way, right? You you somehow found your way from from a progressive kind of Christianity into the depths of the Catholic Church, and God gave you you know through through Mary in a particular way that those graces kind of step by step to get there, right? He won't he won't ask too much of you. Uh, he'll accompany you th- through all of that, right? I think that's your story is a is a great example of that, Morgan. <laughs> Yes, he knows what you need when you need it, yeah. and he knows better than you do. Yeah. <laughs> Just what I tell myself all the time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, 
Uh, I often ask people at this point of the show to, to point them point guests towards more things that they're doing or writing or releasing. Uh, we can, I, I don't know what you want to say. You don't have a billion books out or anything. You, you, you should start working on one because we can <laughs> then promote, promote it on the show. But any place you want people to go to check out more things that, that you're interested in that you think they should be looking at or, or, or find and follow you. What do you want to, what do you want to say? Yes. Yeah, so I am on Twitter. I, I'm on Instagram. Sometimes my account is private because of what I do for work, but request, request me. I will be your social media friend. If you have any questions about Catholicism, I would love to talk to you about it. So yeah, I can give you um, Twitter, Instagram to put in the show notes and I can give you the link for encounter to, to direct people if they're interested in, in that. That would be that'd be awesome. I'll put those things, those uh those in the show notes. That's awesome. Morgan, thank you for being here. Thanks for your presence on social media, encouraging people and journeying for all of us to to accompany you and experience that. That's been awesome to to watch and follow. And thanks for being here. I want to say God bless you and the work you're doing for the church, uh living at your vocation. Uh it's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm glad to just be able to share. Yeah, happy to have you share. It's been awesome. <laughs> I think the biggest secret, I think the biggest secret, guys, in, in charismatic Catholicism is that Peter Kraft, famous theologian, Catholic philosopher, is a bona fide Catholic charismatic. He is, he is. He's written extensively on angels and charismatic experiences, all this kind of stuff. There's a vibrant, vibrant community, friends, of charismatic Catholics. It's awesome. Just barely scratching the surface on that stuff, tapping in there. That's awesome. Thank you, Morgan, for being on the show. Our show is at thecordialcatholic.com for show notes and my blog and those kinds of things. We're on Twitter and Instagram at cordialcatholic. On TikTok as well these days. Look us up there. Those notes, those links are in the show notes. The Cordial Catholic on Facebook and your feedback can come to cordialcatholic at gmail.com. I'm well behind on my email uh, correspondence, but please do reach out. I'll get back to you as soon as humanly, humanly possible. We're on Patreon, patreon.com slash cordialcatholic or paypal.me slash cordialcatholic to support this show financially and have to underpin this thing and help it to keep on going week after week. So thank you, friends. Those are also linked in the show notes. We're on YouTube, youtube.com slash thecordialcatholic. And if you are listening on podcast, please do. Well, you are if you're listening to this. It's obviously on podcast. Leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Those help to push the podcast out to new people and thank you thanks for listening thanks for being part of this community for being here this week please pray for me I am praying for you too take care talk to you again next week and God bless thanks so much friends This show is brought to you in a special way by our co-producer patrons over at patreon.com slash cordialcathy. A special thanks to Ellie and Tom, Kelvin and Susan, Stephen, Suzanne and Victor, Phil, Noah, Nicole, Michelle, Jordan, John, James, Gina, and Aram for your special support at the co-producer tier and making this thing possible. You guys are fantastic. God bless and thanks for your support.